Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com free agency show. Oh, my goodness. What a first night of free agency. It's not over. Fingers crossed. We're hoping that something else might happen while we're live right here. And we can break it down as it goes down tonight so far. It's been a night of homecomings. Players coming back to the Lakers. We're talking about, you know, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, all former Lakers, all now going to be current Lakers. And then, of course, the unfortunate exit of the Bald Mamba, the Bald Eagle, the Caruso, Big Balder brand, if you will, the GOAT, Alex Caruso. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about who else the Lakers might be targeting. We'll be taking all your questions and comments coming in from YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. Joining me tonight Matt the Optimist Peralta and Ron Gutterman, both from LakersNation.com. Matt, we need your optimism tonight more than ever in the wake of the loss of Alex Caruso. Today is a roller coaster, Trevor and Ron. Today started off so strong, and then the Alex Caruso news drops, and my heart sunk, just like every other fan of the Lakers today. Uh, optimistically speaking, or maybe this is me just hoping, but part of me wants to think that. The Lakers just didn't want to pay the luxury tax bill because they've got another move down in the work somewhere. So that that's me hoping. But either way you slice it, it's just not a good it's just not a good look to let go of Alex Caruso when you really didn't have a reason to let him walk for nothing. Ron, what, what did you think? I know you had some thoughts on, on Alex Caruso. I know there was going to be a big luxury tax payment for the Lakers if they hung on to Alex Caruso at the price. Like a difference of it was something like 40 million dollars if they hung on to him. But I know you were still not thrilled with the decision, especially since it came out, Sam Amick of The Athletic, mentioning that the Lakers didn't even bother to counter the Chicago Bulls offered Alex Caruso, which I felt was a pretty fair offer. Yeah, I mean, look, four years, $37 million is more than reasonable for a player of Alex Caruso's caliber. I, I'd argue it's even a bit of an underpay. Um, but that's really besides the point. I think, uh, obviously, I'm willing to wait to see what the Lakers mm-hmm. do over the next week or so to to see why they went they decided to go this route. But uh, it's disappointing. You you go out and you trade for Russell Westbrook, who is the NBA's most expensive player, and then you turn around and you don't give one of your homegrown talents nine million dollars a year. Um, it feels it feels very much like they got cold feet on spending money after giving Westbrook all of the money, which they didn't have to do. So that's that's where I'm at right now. Obviously, the Lakers can make moves that changes that mindset. But just based on what's happened so far, I, I do think it's a bit of a a bit of a sad thing to see an, a, an ownership group that's so used to spending for championships mm-hmm. uh, just balk at that uh, at such a weird time. Well, and that's just it, Ron. I like that you, that you start off by saying, you know, we, we want to see what the roster finishes out like. Because obviously, if they felt like paying Alex Caruso that much to stay was not the smart move, there must be something else planned. And maybe maybe they're hoping that, hey, on the defensive end of the floor, we can get some similar production out of Kent Bazemore defensively compared to what Alex Caruso can provide at Alex Caruso would be about five times the price. Right? And then when you add in luxury tax... It's a lot more. I'm not saying that Bazemore is as good of a defender as Alex Caruso or, or whatever. I like Alex Caruso a lot, but I want to see what the Lakers' plan is before passing too much judgment here. But still, it was a bit of a gut punch. We've been talking about for a long time that the Lakers, it's all about talent retention right now, keeping their own guys. 
But uh, Alex Caruso will be a Chicago Chicago Bull. I do have a question coming in here, a super chat from Patrick Zeivinger uh, from YouTube. So are we getting tomorrow with the mid-level? You know, it's really interesting. Right now, the, the cap space on the market has really dried up. And these guys, DeMar DeRozan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dennis Schroeder, I don't know where they're going to land. The landing spots for a lot of these guys have disappeared now because teams, the Knicks, they spent their cap space. What what is going to happen here now? Yeah, the the Knicks really spent their cap space. That I'm going to end the sentence there because I can't qualify it with anything other than they spent their cap space. <laughs> um, so that wasn't great by them, but yeah, that that was a big Dennis Schroeder landing spot. That was a potential Demar Derozan landing spot, and now they have no money. So that's really interesting. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans they were a team that had money and wanted to go get a point guard and they went and they got Devonte Graham, which another terrible move, but they did get a point guard and now their cap space is gone. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the options are running slim here for guys like DeMar DeRozan, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dennis Schroeder. Matt, what do you think? What, what do you think about this whole situation? I mean, this is, this is essentially though, on the positive side, this is playing out the way the Lakers would want it to play out in terms of Dennis Schroeder, so that it, wherever he wants to go, the teams that are left are probably, and nothing's for sure, but probably going to have to negotiate with the Lakers on a sign and trade if they want Schroeder. Yeah, as far as Schroeder goes, I, I honestly think that at this point, Schroeder's best bet if he wants to make anything close to what he was asking for originally, it's going to come via sign and trade. And it looks like Washington, the Washington Wizards might be the most landing uh, likely landing spot, given where all the money's gone just today. So I, I can definitely see that. And this is what I alluded to earlier at the top of the show, where I my, my conspiracy theory really is that they let Alex walk because of the luxury tax, but because they're working on a deal for Buddy Heal that might include Dennis Schroeder going to Washington. You know, that's a really popular theory right now amongst Lakers fans in the media. So I'm, I'm still holding out hope for that. But as far as the other free agents go, like DeMar DeRozan, I really think that, you know, I still personally can't see him taking that big of a pay cut where he's going to take the, the taxpayer mid-level mm-hmm. exception. I do think that the Spurs might try to work a sign and trade somewhere. Where that is, I have no idea. But at the same time, I, I think it's likely. I really doubt that he comes to the Lakers or any other team with that taxpayer mid-level and he goes there. So it, it's wild. I, I was talking about it earlier, but there are a couple free agents that are still out there that haven't been signed yet that I thought would have gone immediately. Yeah, there's still options out there on the market. And that's just it. This is just starting. This is just, you know, the Lakers, we see, oh my gosh, they added four more players. Yeah, they still have six more spots to fill. They only had five guys under contract. And we don't even know what's going to happen with Alfonso McKinney, right? Caruso's not coming back. Okay, so what happens now? Taylor Horton Tucker, he's a restricted free agent. You got to figure out what happens there. There's a number of other players that are out there on the market. The Lakers still have a lot of work to do. So by no means is this done. And by the way, I also want to throw this out there. The guys we've seen so far, most likely, these are all veteran minimum signings, okay? Most likely, they're all for the veteran minimum. The Lakers, the big bullet they've got in the chamber is the taxpayer mid-level, which is just under $6 million. I don't believe they've spent that yet. So there's still more coming. There's still something else, right? But I am getting a lot of questions right now in our chat. People asking, what about the age, right? So far, every player they've signed... Talking about Ariza, Dwight, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore. They're all over 30. Dwight Howard's, what, 36? Ariza's 36. Uh, Wayne Ellington, I believe, I want to say is 33-ish, 32 for Bazemore. 
And then Russ is going to be 33 in a few months. LeBron is 36 going on 37. Anthony Davis at, what, 28 is sitting there looking around, feeling like the kid on the team at this point. If THT comes back, he's going to be like two generations younger than everybody else on the team. Are we worried about the collective age of the Lakers at this point, knowing that they still have roster spots to fill? Uh, I mean, the the average age of the roster right now is 32.9, which I'm almost guaranteeing is a record. I There's just no way a team has trotted out an older roster than that. Um, obviously, THT, if he gets re-signed, that will bring it down. But yeah, I mean, age is, age is probably a little bit of a concern. I mean, you can argue all you want that maybe they're battle-tested and maybe that means mm-hmm. they're old enough to have fought in the Iraq War, like... They're they're definitely battle tested, but you know <laughs> oh we'll have to see what that actually means for them. I have no idea. <laughs> service in de- in de- service in desert yeah. storm is now a plus for, for Lakers signees right now. Oh my goodness! Lakers twenty twenty one twenty two roster on the court and off the court apparently. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, um. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, I totally see Ron's point. Um, I think the age is a little bit of concern, especially after we just saw this team decimated by injuries last off, last season. So that's kind of where I'm at. But again, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if the Lakers can stay healthy, which is the biggest if now around this roster, especially now that the age has gone up, uh, you know, if they stay healthy, I think they're still clearly in contention for, for a title this year. The Western Conference is kind of a crapshoot this year, given the injuries to Kawhi. Uh, I don't know if Phoenix has this, has the same kind of run in them. Um, Denver's obviously still going to be reeling from Jamal Murray. So, you know, the Lake, I still like the Lakers odds here. But, yeah, age is definitely a concern. How much of a concern remains to be seen. But, you know, uh, I'm holding out hope that they can hold it together. Yeah, and, and it's important to note the Lakers do still have their two biggest bullets in the chamber, which is uh, Dennis Schroeder potential sign-and-trade, yes. the taxpayer mid-level, and I guess the third bullet in the chamber would be Taylor Horton Tucker. So they, they do still have some options here to like get a, a bigger name uh just the options are dwindling and and it's just a matter of you know where the dominoes are going to fall because it's it's been a crazy first day it really has and you know it's not even like like alex caruso could still turn into a sign and trade that's one of you know yeah. the, these sign these are not done these are agreements. Yeah. That's it. They're not done till august 6th that's the earliest they can actually sign this thing uh it, it, so there's nothing done yet there can there's still changes that can be made, and I think we should stress that. Uh, Sonic Fighter twenty five with the super chat from YouTube said, "Is it weird that we heard all the news that Carmelo Anthony is basically a Laker, yet no announcement? Also, Dennis is punching the air right now." Uh, <laughs> second part first, yes, uh, it's looking more and more likely that Dennis Schroeder will be regretting turning down that four years, eighty four million uh, contract offer from the Lakers, and perhaps that the Lakers will be a little bit relieved that he did turn that down, um, but. It's like a little mini Nerlens Noel situation. But what do you guys think? Carmelo Anthony, this is not the only person to have asked about that. I've had a few people asking about Carmelo. Uh, and do you still see a spot for him on this team now that Trevor Ariza is is in town? Um, I actually do. Um, and there's a reason why is because I think that the Lakers are pretty sure that Carmelo will come if they call. But I think at this point, the guys that we've seen so far, I think they probably had more bidders. So the Lakers needed to prioritize them first. And that's why the news came out about their agreements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as Melo goes, I think there's already a wink wink agreement that once they've gone through their flurry of moves in the initial waves of free agency, then they'll then they'll go ahead and sign Carmelo. So I actually think that, you know, he's there if they want him. 
Um, and I think he's just kind of waiting on them to finish, kind of like how we saw last offseason with Jared Dudley, right, where we knew he was coming back, but he was one of the last ones to get announced. It was already a done deal. That's kind of how I feel about Melo, too. Yeah, agreed. I think that could be could be the case. It did seem like a, not a certainty, but like a 95%. He felt kind of like Dwight, where Dwight, oh, we felt pretty confident he was coming back, and lo and behold, here he is. He's coming back. Um, so I feel like Carmelo Anthony could still get a spot on this team, but again, he, he is no spring chicken either. So we're talking about the age going up and up and up. Oh, somebody just just uh, just sent us a message on, I think it was Facebook, said sign Thanos. Is that because Thanos is like really, really old? Is that why we're saying sign Thanos? Well, we know Dwight likes Thanos too, so maybe that's, that's it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um Showtime GJ from YouTube, the super chat said, I'm really not, I'm really worried about Bazemore and Ellington not having playoff experience. Also worried we're going to miss out on Mello. Well, we just talked about Mello, but Bazemore, Ellington not having playoff experience. These guys are veterans. They've been around. I'm not concerned about that uh, with these guys. I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah. And by the way, miss out on Mello is if he ends up somewhere else, I'm not considering that a, a big loss. Like if he ends up with the Lakers, great. I'm cool with it. I'm happy with it. But if he signs somewhere else tomorrow, I'm not going to be like, oh, no, that that was it. Like, he's replaceable, That they can find someone. Mm-hmm. And as for Ellington and Bazemore, veterans, you know, after a certain amount of years in the league, the whole, like, lack of playoff experience kind of doesn't pan out anymore. Like, you've been around enough. Oh, here we go. We talked. We wanted some breaking news. Oh. Mark Stein, yeah, there it is. another free agent duel of interest. Perfect timing here. Carmelo Anthony is weighing interest from both the Lakers and Knicks, league sources okay. say. Uh, and Golden State has joined the Lakers and Nets in the Patty Mills chase. Interesting. What, what's your take? What's your instant reaction on that? Lakers versus Knicks for the services of Carmelo Anthony. Oh, uh, darn. The Knicks got Melo. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Knicks can have it. Like, I don't know. Like, again, if the Lakers get him, great. But if the Knicks get him, good for Melo. I mean, it's probably it's a vet min either way. Mm-hmm. Um, not not too broken up about it. Patty Mills, on the other hand, yeah, that's one of your that's one of your mid level exception targets. That's one of your guys you're giving six million dollars to. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's the Lakers and the Nets and the Warriors, I mean, the Nets uh, gave Blake Griffin. I don't know what they gave him financially feels weird if they gave him a minimum i feel like he's better than that but yeah uh, they they could still have their mle available the nets warriors and lakers are going to be in a it's it's the most funny bidding war of all time because they're bidding with the exact same dollar amount uh so i guess it's just up to patty to decide what role he wants the best well i'm thinking in terms of the knicks they burned their cap space i believe with their moves so far i don't have the updated cap sheet in front of me it's possible they have a little bit left off for carmelo Otherwise, the most they could offer would be their room exception. And that comes in right around, I want to say it's about 4.8-ish million. Something if they, like if that, they yeah. were to offer that, I would, I would not match that. I would just continue to offer the better minimum because I would, I would want to save my taxpayer mid-level for somebody else rather than use it on, on Carmelo Anthony. If Carmelo Anthony, the better minimum, yep, sign me up. Let's do it. Uh, Carmelo Anthony at the taxpayer mid-level, I think you need to need to aim for something else with that, if it's me. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. If I if the Lakers somehow burn their mid level on on Carmelo, I riot. That's just not a good use of assets, especially how limited they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't have to sell Melo. You shouldn't have to pay up for Melo. You already offer him a chance to live in Los Angeles, play next to your best friend LeBron, compete for a title. Um, there are just too many benefits that I think outweigh the, the dollar difference there. So if he wants to go home to New York and, and play for the Knicks again and you know ride ride another playoff berth that way, I'm totally happy with that. But if he wants to come to the Lakers, it needs to come on the veteran minimum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if it's good enough for Kent Bazemore, it's good enough for Carmelo Anthony. Eh? <laughs> That's <laughs> yes. really that simple. Uh, well, interesting to keep an eye on, though. Knicks versus Lakers for the services of Carmelo Anthony. Come on, LeBron. Get in his ear. Let's get this thing done. Bring Carmelo to L.A. In fact, we've been circling this for literally a decade, right? Like Carmelo <laughs> yeah. Anthony to L.A. Might even be more than that at this point. Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers. Let's just get this thing done already. Uh, Fabio L. Uh, from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, Any chance we can bring back AC Fresh by the trade deadline? Uh, just kidding. Keep up the good work, Lakers Nation. For real, we missed the GOAT already. I know. We will certainly miss Alex Caruso. But at the same time, you got to feel great for him, right? A guy yeah. who went from being undrafted, not quite the Duncan Robinson story, where like three years after being undrafted, he's suddenly making $90 million, right? But but Alex Caruso, similar, right? Undrafted, plays his outduels De'Aaron Fox in the desert during Summer League, gets the first two-way contract ever for the Lakers, and eventually turns that into $37 million. That's amazing, right? That that in and of itself. Congratulations to Alex Caruso. That's it's so, so cool to see somebody succeed like that. That's to uh, former Laker Ben McLemore on a deal with the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, that just happened, huh? Sure did. Okay, and sure that did. was something... Go ahead, uh, Ron, what are you saying? No, 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 no you're good. Matt, okay. Matt got it. So I was saying that that was something we speculated about with Wayne Ellington, that there was a talent duplication with Wayne Ellington and Ben Ben McLemore. So when the Wayne Ellington thing came down, we said, you know, maybe this is a sign that McLemore will not come back. And personally, between the two, I would rather have Ellington, a little bit higher percentage three-point shooter, and his ability to come off of curls and come up firing is is it's a much higher level than what McLemore provides. I like McLemore, don't get me wrong, but I would rather have Ellington. So I think the Lakers, if that was the truly the choice, I think the Lakers made the correct decision there. Yeah. And and going back to Caruso, I I got a weird a little bit of hate in my in my replies for this on Twitter. Uh I said that I was my the Chicago Bulls were my new second team. Um and I was Alonzo told that I, I as a Lakers fan, I should never have a second team. Um, I'm not <laughs> I'm not abandoning the Lakers no. uh, by any stretch. I'm just going to watch the Chicago Bulls because that's a really fun and exciting team that features two of my favorite players. Like, pretty simple. Oh, yeah. Be, be nice to Ron, guys. Yeah. I, was like, I, mean, I, I noticed, I looked back into my replies and I was like, man, I did not think this was a controversial take at all. But apparently, here we are. Do, do you have a second favorite team, Trevor? Yeah, I do. My my second team for a long time has been the uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Where unless if the if the Lakers are playing them, I want the Lakers to win, of course. But otherwise, I, I tend to root for the Mavericks unless it's a situation where it's advantageous for the Mavs to lose. Like for the Lakers, it'll be better for the Lakers in terms of standings or whatever. Then okay, I would root or I'd root against the Mavs. But for a long time, I just always loved Dirk's game. So that was a team that I would try to tune in uh, to whenever I could. And so that just kind of became like my second team that I would watch. But right now I try to watch a little bit of everybody. Uh, Hector from YouTube. I'm sorry, Matt, do you have a second team? 
Uh, you know what's funny? My second favorite team actually used to be the Blazers before Damian Lillard. Uh, uh-huh. Brandon Roy is actually my favorite non-Laker ever. So um, I used to like following them. Of course, I've been. That means I've obviously been uh, following my guy Wes Matthews for a while too. So uh, I love the Trailblazers. Last year, I watched a lot of Hornets games just because I thought Lamelo should have gone number one, and lo and behold, he proved that he should have gone number one. So mm-hmm. uh, last year was the Hornets, but generally speaking, I do like the Blazers. I love Damian Lillard. Obviously, my current non-favorite Laker in the league right now. So I, I'd say the Blazers for sure, but obviously not when they're playing the Lakers. Fair enough. All right, Hector from YouTube in the Super Chat. Not going to lie, I wish ownership showed more ambition to pay the luxury tax to re-sign Caruso. I know it's not my money, but technically it's ours as fans. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. And, you know, I, that's the thing, too, right? I can say, go spend $40 million on Alex Caruso, or, you know, why don't you just pay $40 million in, in luxury tax payments? No big deal, right? I can't even like I can't even picture what forty million dollars would look like in front of me, right? Like the, that's that's unfathomable, fathomable money to to me, right? To most of us, that that's money that is beyond belief. So it's easy to just say, "Oh yeah, just pay that," right? No problem. When if it's your money, you're probably looking at it a little bit differently. Particularly if let's say Rob Palenka says, "You know what? We can bring back Alex Caruso. We're going to have to pay about an extra forty million dollars on top of his salary in luxury tax payments, or we can get in." Kent Bazemore and use him in kind of a similar role, at least defensively anyway, and he's going to come with a veteran minimum, and you're going to save tens of millions of dollars. It's hard to argue against that, even though we know we love Caruso and we know he's the better player, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it does come down to what do the Lakers do with the rest of their roster. Yes. Uh, it really comes down to that because there is a world in which the Lakers make a set of moves that make Caruso either expendable as a player or it justifies because your team is so expensive elsewhere. You know, if they go get Buddy Heald, you're looking at a $22 million contract on the books. Now it's now it's starting to look like, man, that that $40 million is, is really getting up there. Now we're talking about like a $240 million yep. total bill for this team. So I, I would I would get that in that scenario. But if if the rest of the team is an MLE and minimum guys, uh, then I then I I'm sorry I don't see the reason to not have Caruso back even if it costs you forty million extra. Well, you can Google Jeannie Buss's net worth. You know she has. It. <laughs> uh, you know one thing I want to bring up too is that the Lakers did just sell part of their ownership to the Daughters owners who oh, are famous for spending on their rosters. Uh, our friends over at Dodger Blue will tell you that the Dodgers have one of the most expensive rosters in MLB. So I'm a little surprised that the Lakers wouldn't shell out for the Lakers of all teams, right? Uh, but like you said, Trevor, it's not my money. Uh, I can't look at $40 million and say, yeah, I'll just, I'll just pull that out of my pocket and spend it on this guy. Um, as fans, you would love to see your ownership, you know, go balls to the wall with their money. But unfortunately, we can't all be billionaire owners. Uh, shout out to Steve Ballmer and the LA Clippers, right? So... <laughs> You know, I, I unfortunately am really sad about Alex Caruso leaving. Um, the way I'm justifying it right now is like what Ron's been saying to you. We have to kind of wait and see how they build out the roster and what moves Rob Polinka still has left up his sleeve. Uh, if it turns out we just let Alex Caruso walk for absolutely nothing, then I will be massively more upset. But for right now, I'm bummed, but I'm, I'm still in wait and see mode. Yeah, exactly. We, we have to see how this roster does turn out at the end of the day um, to steal a yeah, phrase Dennis from Dennis Schroeder. Yes. Yes. Dennis. Andrew Miller said we should sign Trevor Lane to shoot three pointers. I am. I am out of practice. Although I have mentioned this on there before on here before I was. And I know this is going to blow you guys away. This is this is big time here. 
I was in junior high. I was my school's three point shootout champion. All right. I'll just, I'll just say it. I'll just say that. Like that's, I know, I know people are going to be asking for my signature now in the streets and all that, all that kind of stuff. This is big time. I get it, but you know, I think I could knock in a three ball or two. No, actually I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Chevrolet from YouTube said, "Can we officially name this the Reunion Squad? Officially? No, but I think we can do it unofficially, right?" Yeah, I mean, man, it's (laughs) with each name it got progressively funnier, right? Because the first name was Ariza, and we said, "Oh, welcome back, buddy," and then and then it was Dwight, and it was like. Okay, like that's kind of funny. They're now both, and and then it was Wayne Ellington, and I was like, okay, this this is ridiculous. And we thought it was going to end there, right? We said, mm-hmm. okay, three old former Lakers. That's got to be it. And then and then of course Kent Bazemore. So we're at a point where maybe we just call up. I I don't know. I was rattling off some names with with a friend of mine. Maybe we go, call up Shannon Brown, Jordan Farmar, Sophie <laughs> Yeah, Vujicic, Slava. is up to if we want to go that far back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there's a ton of names we could talk about here. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Danny Green. That's See, another Danny name. Likely. Yeah, <laughs> the, the issue with Danny Green is I think he's going to get a little bit more than what the Lakers can offer. Um, if he's willing to take that discount to the MLE, I, I've long said I think it's a great fit, and I, I would really... I would really like him. I would really like Patty Mills. I'd really like Rudy Gay. But mm-hmm. Danny Green would be really good if you can get him to come down a little bit on the price. I think he's worth more than that. Yeah, Trevor, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Markeith Morris and Danny Green have actually been linked to the Miami Heat also. So I've seen that. To, I've seen yeah. that. And you know what? I could see, like, like let's say Carmelo picks the Lakers. If I'm Markeith Morris, I'm probably looking elsewhere, right? Because now you've yeah. already got Trevor Ariza in the fold. You've got, you know, and, and these are guys that are going to be playing behind AD and LeBron already. So, and then you've got Ariza in the fold, then Carmelo, and then, and then the minutes at center might be eaten up by Dwight. And right. yeah, so it would make a lot of sense for, for Markeith to look elsewhere. Um, all right. I had a super chat in here that I'm finding. Uh, George Torres said, I figured out, figured it out. They let Caruso go because they're keeping or signing and trading Schroeder. Uh, it's a huge tax bill if Caruso stays too. At this point, is is keeping Schroeder and saying, hey, your market dried up. Here's a one plus one, and you're our backup guard if Patty Mills things don't work out there. Is that completely off the table? <laughs> that's the ultimate chaos scenario. Right. For sure. That's the that's the chaos scenario. You offer him a four eighty-four, four years eighty-four million. He declines it, asking for a hundred million. And then you get him at a two-year thirty million. You know that mm-hmm. that's the ultimate chaos scenario. I'm almost rooting for it, but then I remember he also can't shoot threes. So I'm just like, maybe not. Yeah. Let's let's work on something else. But 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 the median age of the roster goes down, Ron. Yeah, okay. It, the median yeah. age of the roster goes down if you sign anyone in the NBA at this point. Like, it, how how much older can you get? Hey, Mellow. That's yeah. It's a 33 average age on this roster. There's very, there's not a whole lot of players you can sign that'll increase that at this point. Uh, the ultimate lull would be if we got Dennis Shooter on the mid level. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I think Min. I think if he was taking the mid level, he would take it from from anywhere else. Someone else, just yeah. because, Literally, right? Just out of sheer embarrassment, yeah. he wouldn't want to come back. Spite too, right? Yep. For sure. 
Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about this because I've got a lot of people in the chat that are asking, Buddy Healed, what is uh, is yeah. this is this dead? Can we put this away? Or as the you know landing spots have dried up for Dennis Schroeder, is there some life to Buddy Healed to the Lakers? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Uh, there were reports yesterday that the Lakers were still trying to find ways to land Buddy Heald in a trade. You've alluded it to it earlier, mm-hmm. but just because these proposed trades and deals have come through uh, doesn't mean they're finalized yet. There's still time for the Lakers to negotiate and expand this trade to include Dennis Schroeder, which they can legally do now that the uh, now that the free agency has started. So it's not completely dead yet, but you know the snag obviously is who wants to take on Dennis. Um, in this case, it might look like Washington might not have a choice but to to negotiate with him just mm-hmm. because the point guard market is basically dried up. Uh, no one has cap space really anymore. Washington is trying to get Spencer Dinwiddie from the Brooklyn Nets, the last report that I read at least. So, you know, maybe that happens. But if that doesn't happen, then, you know, you're, you're kind of SOL, right? And you need to just look for a starting point guard. In this case, Dennis Shooter just might be their best bet. So, you know, you're really kind of hoping for that scenario if you want Buddy Hill on the Lakers. Yeah, and, and there there is a world, and obviously it's not um, it's not a guarantee, but there is a world in which you send Dennis to Washington, Washington sends Kuzma to Sacramento, and Sacramento sends uh, Heald to the Lakers. That's that's a legal trade. You can do it. Um, it's it's just a matter of whether all of those sides are going to negotiate that. Mm-hmm. That's a very very complex. Even even though I only mentioned three players. That's a very complex transaction to make happen. Um, I would say the deal's not dead, but Heal to LA is probably like on life support here, uh, especially with the re-signing of Rashawn Holmes. Um, yeah, but it's not dead because no deal is ever really dead in the NBA. I think I think the Lakers will keep pushing for it for as long as it's even a remote possibility because like, if you were to pick just about anybody, like a non-all-star type player in the NBA that would be a great fit with this Lakers squad, it's Buddy Heald. Right, it's buddy a high volume, high percentage three point shooter to put in that starting lineup. So I think they're going to go after it for as long as they can. If they pull it off, I think that changes some of our perspective on this team. Changes the way we feel a little bit about the the way things have gone down. Like you pull that off, and and you're in business. Oh no! If the Lakers look, if the Lakers pull off a heel deal, which I think is very unlikely at this point, but if they pull off a heel deal, my tune is going to go from like pretty optimistic like i am now to full-on caping this is a championship team like it's gonna change but it's just the steps needed to get there is really difficult mm-hmm. yeah and, and just a couple more points too really uh the kings did draft davion mitchell in the draft this past week so you know they have an extra guard now uh they're not going to play all four of them with buddy healed as well that's just a defensive disaster i think so um, I think if you read into the dealers a little bit, I think they're going to explore a deal. Um, I think heel to the Lakers is probably the most likely because I still think they do want Kuzma in some way. Uh, it's just getting Washington to cooperate and take Shooter off their hands. So um, if I had to be optimistic about this deal, right, that's kind of how I would look at it, at least, is that, you know, the Kings have a surplus of guards. The relationship with Buddy Heald is obviously not on good terms right now. Um, and so, you know, and again, that trade isn't finalized, so they can still expand it, like I said earlier. So. My fingers are crossed, but like Ron said, I think this deal is like kind of on its last legs at this point, but we'll see. Things could change in the next few days. Um, one of the things that I want to bring up, because I want to talk about kind of the, the players that they've targeted so far. Uh, and the word came out about Ken Bazemore, that he actually turned down a longer-term deal from the Golden State Warriors for more money 
in order to take one year from the Lakers and kind of bet on himself that he would have a bigger role. What are your thoughts on that? And don't forget, Kent Bazemore, back in the day when he was a Laker, was not happy with the Lakers that they didn't match an offer that he got. He wound up going to, I believe it was the Atlanta Hawks, and he held, four million. Yeah, he held some resentment to the Lakers, and I felt at the time. I remember being upset, thinking that they should have, um, they should have kept him. But now Kent Bazemore comes back to the Lakers after turning down money elsewhere. Does that uh, does that alter at all your perspective on on the Kent Bazemore signing, or how does how does that make you feel? Um, I mean the the reason, well, the the resentment that Kent Bazemore held towards the Lakers, I think that's obvi- obviously because he signed, it's dissipated, but. That was a completely different managerial group. Mm, that was exactly like, what I was going to say. That was yep. a whole different everything. So, like, this is a brand new thing for him. Um, I'm okay. Like when I when it says when they say bigger role, I, I'm anticipating that unless the Lakers go out and make a deal for Heald, I, I anticipate he starts. Yep. Um, right now, the starting lineup is probably looking like Russell Westbrook, Kent Bazemore, uh, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Marcus Saltz kind of where it's leaning right now mm-hmm. if i had to guess um and i'm okay with that as long like i i think there are probably better players out there than kent Bazemore that they could still bring in but I, i'm okay with that being a, a situation he's a he's a solid wing defender he's coming off a career year behind the three-point line i'm all right with it yeah i could talk myself into it he 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 started 18 games for the warriors last season played 67 total i believe um you know he only played 20 minutes but i think on this particular lakers team I don't think you're going to be defending. You're not going to be depending on Trevor Ariza to defend mm-hmm. guard, uh, guards and wings for most of the game. I think most of that's going to go to Kent Bazemore, actually, um, especially just looking at the roster, how it's constructed right now. So I think when you say bigger role, I think he's going to be in there for defensive purposes, at least. And so any guy that can shoot an open three is going to have minutes next to LeBron, obviously. And so I think maybe that's where, you know, bigger role comes into play. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play close to 25, 28 minutes a night or so, give or take. Yeah. I don't know if that's ideal. We'll see. But the other point I wanted to make here, you know, I don't know that Kent Bazemore winds up being the starter, but when we look at the guys who have signed right now, I know some Laker fans are going, well, this is a little underwhelming. You're signing all these veteran guys. They're all over 30, right? Bazemore and Ariza and, and Dwight and Wayne Ellington. But these are guys who they knew, like the veteran minimum is probably what they're getting. Whether they sign today, whether they sign four days from now, whether they sign two weeks from now. Their best case scenario is probably the better minimum. That's that's just that's the tier of player they are right now. Kent Bazemore. Now, obviously, he's you know he's hoping for a bigger payday next next year, right? But but the veteran minimum is probably what these guys are looking at. The the guys where the Lakers are where we're going to see deals where we say, wow, that was a bargain. Those are the guys where the market dries up on them, and then they start running out of choices because what happens? Let's say you're a guy and you believe you're worth five million dollars, right? And all the cap room around the NBA dries up, or let's say you you think you're worth seven, so it's not just the taxpayer mid level. And the cap room around the NBA dries up, and you don't still have a deal. And next thing you know, teams are offering you the veteran minimum. If everybody's offering the same thing, that's where suddenly the Lakers have an advantage. That's where suddenly you start thinking, oh, well, I can take a minimum from Orlando, or I can take a minimum from Indiana, or I could take a minimum from the Lakers where there's a bunch of open roster spots where I can t- contend for a championship, be in L.A., have the spotlight on me, rehab my value, and then hit the market again the following year. Yeah, I'm going to go do that. That's where I think we're going to see some higher-level signings from the Lakers, and those don't happen right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, you're getting the guys where, all right, no matter what time they sign at, it's going to be a better minimum. 
the guys that the Lakers are going to really cash in on or where, where we'll say, wow, that's a really good value signing. Those are the guys where you have to wait for the market to dry up a little bit. Yep, 100%. I totally agree. There's always a second wave of free agency. Um, this one is obviously the first one, and it just came with a flurry of moves right out the gate. But I think what you're saying is absolutely correct in that, you know, a lot of the cap space teams today use most of it, if not all of their cap space. So mm-hmm. really, the Lakers are going to be competing with like the likes of the Warriors, the Nets, the Heat the Bucks even, uh, for all these veterans that, you know, are looking for new homes for next season. And so um, depending on the situation, right, how they view each contender, uh, the Lakers can come away with some really bargain signings. And like I alluded to at the top of the show as well, there are a lot of free agents that are still out there that haven't been signed yet. Um, and so I'm thinking the Lakers might snag one or two that we're not even thinking of right now because we just think they're going to command more money in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of time until August 6th. So we're going to have to kind of, just bear with the Lakers and bear with the NBA free agent market just to see what goes on. And and I'm, I'm saying that in part because of I've got a lot of people asking me, well, what about Rudy Gay? To me, he fits in that category. Yeah. He definitely fits in, in that category. We, some of the guys that we've been talking about that could be connected to the Lakers, Patty Mills. You know, if I'm him, I'm probably waiting to see like, hey, maybe I'm going to get an offer because what's the what's the downside if you wait a few days to see? If a team does toss you an offer that, you know, let's say a team misses on their first few targets and then next thing you know, they turn to Patty Mills and they say, here, here's $14 million for two years or or something like that. Or if the cap space dries up, well, you're right where you're at right now anywhere where maybe you get somebody's taxpayer mid-level. It doesn't make sense for those guys to move right away. It makes more sense for them to wait and then when they're 100% certain that the higher level offers are gone, then they can start sifting through the veteran minimum deal. So I think that's what we're going to see play out over the next few days here. Yeah, the, the first wave of free agency is always the true vet minimum guys mm-hmm. and the guys who are setting the market. You know, the Kyle Lowry's, uh, the, you know, the guys who are making the money. Uh, that's usually the first wave. Probably like tomorrow or Wednesday, we'll start that second wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie L from YouTube in the super chat. Where do you see Malik Monk going? Any chance he's pursued Good if question. Patty Mills does not pan out? However, I would prefer Patty Mills. Uh, Malik Monk would certainly be a way to lower the average age of the team if you were to target him. If you are the Lakers, I don't know sure. where he's going to wind up. Again, I think for a lot of these guys, it's going to come down to opportunity. What type of role can I can I find on a team? I really don't have a sense of where Malik Monk is going to wind up. I suppose the Lakers could be a team, but again, I would just be taking a guess at this point to try to figure out where he's going to go. He would have been fun on the Knicks, personally. Okay. Yeah, and, and Malik Monk, I mean, he, yeah, I, the Knicks seem like a pretty good landing spot for him. Um, he's coming off a career year from behind the three-point line, but if I recall, I don't have the exact numbers. Um, his three-point numbers were like terrible, terrible, terrible 40%. And I'm always really wary about guys like that because you're the Lakers, that that 40% is not going to happen again. So I, I'm not sure Malik Monk's a great fit just because he's not he's not the best defender and he's, he's really banking all of his value on one 40% from three season when he has three below 35 well, isn't that kind of the situation with Kent Bazemore? I mean, I hate to say it, but he's a career 35% three-point shooter, shot 40-ish percent last season. Yeah, yeah, but he's a former Laker, Trevor. Oh, no, that's the right. That's right. That solves everything. Never mind. With Kent Bazemore, <laughs> the real difference with Kent Bazemore is he provides value on defense, and he's a little bigger, 
and he and he just fits the the what the team needs more. Like Malik Monk, if he's not hitting forty percent from three, he's kind of a he's kind of an overall really negative asset. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I'm just gonna make sure of the numbers. So he shot forty percent last year. The three years before that were thirty four, thirty three, twenty eight. Oh, so he's like really bad yeah. outside of the one year. Contract year, man. Happens every time. Contract, Contract year. year, Malik. <laughs> oh my. Um, Quadre uh, Poinsett said, uh, uh, the super chat said, who are some of the candidates for the mid-level exception? So your taxpayer mid-level, who's your ideal candidate that's still out on the market, guys? Let's start with you, Matt. Arnold Porter Jr. Okay. Uh, personally, I think this is the cheapest you'll ever get him, barring another injury. I know he's super injury prone, hasn't played in a lot of games the last two seasons, got shipped off to Orlando last season, but I thought he looked good in spurts. Um, I think there's still some upside there. Uh, I think he's 27 or 28 years old. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he does kind of fit the archetype that the Lakers need um, as far as a 3 and D wing goes. Um, I think he could be solid there. I think he could rehab his value with the Lakers on a one-year prove-it deal. I don't think there's a lot of downside to that. Obviously, wasting one of your big bullets on a player that's injury-prone, though, is is pretty much a gamble. But I think, you know, the upside might be worth it there. So I, I would lead Ondo Porter. Patty Mills is another one, obviously, when we've already talked about him. Um, and then there's Rudy Gay as well. I think you could have him on a veteran minimum, but I think if the Lakers are serious about him and they use their mid-level on him, I wouldn't be too upset about that. But I would definitely rank them in that order of Otto Porter, Patty Mills, and Rudy Gay. Uh, Ron, anybody you want to add to the list? Danny Green. Danny Green. Oh, yeah. Danny Green's like number one for me. If you can get him at the at the taxpayer mid-level, he's mm-hmm. the number one. Uh, I Look. I, I'm very like out on Otto Porter Jr. just because with the team the Lakers are assembling, you can't afford to use your biggest financial piece of flexibility on a prove-it guy. Um, you need someone who's going to be steady, who's going to give you exactly sure. what he's always given. And for me, Danny Green is like, he is the quintessential, like, you know exactly what you're getting from Danny Green. You know you're getting a, a really solid 3 and D player. And I know Lakers fans have a weird relationship with him. But I think he's a really perfect fit. Um, if it's not him, I'm perfectly comfortable with Patty Mills or Rudy Gay as well. Also, former Laker Danny Green. Yes, that's true. That would fit the theme. Fit the, fit the theme of former Laker. That's right. That's right. Well, maybe that's that might be confirmation then that it is going to be Danny Green, and he's in his thirties. All lines up. It fits. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. Remember how uh, during the 2019-20 season, everyone was talking about how remarkable the chemistry was. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling this team is going to be like that. Just with, with the names they're assembling, like, how, how are they not going to get along? Like, th- this seems just like a really fun team uh, of veterans. I don't know. I, I have a feeling chemistry is going to be great again in L.A. I, I sure hope so. Um, I'm having a hard time adding any names to the list that you guys put together that are that are not you know, taken already. So I think that's really what Reggie Jackson. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. Reggie Jackson. I'm, I'm just assuming he's getting more from somewhere. Some team is going to find a way to so give too. him more, you know, but yes, I think that would be another one. Somebody mentioned Avery Bradley to me. He would be a better minimum guy. I wouldn't be dig- uh, digging into my taxpayer mid-level for Avery Bradley, especially since he's Same. been so injured. Um. Okay. Let's get into a couple more questions and comments here. A lot of people are mentioning Danny Green because, of course, we've got a lot of opinions about that. Um, A lot of people asking for shooting, if we can find it. Oh, I've had a few questions about Dwight Howard. 
Do you guys believe that Dwight Howard was signed to be the starter at center? Uh, I don't think no. so. Okay. No, and I, I will I will personally I like I I have no power. I will use what little power I have to make sure that doesn't happen because Trevor, we talked about this yesterday. Russell Westbrook and Dwight Howard can never play together. Never. Yeah. They have no floor spacing at all. No. None whatsoever. Dwight is going to clog any lanes that Russell Westbrook can create for himself. It it it, it is a uh, eyesore. Dwight doesn't help you in transition, which is where like I don't like it at all. Um, so I, I wouldn't want the two of them to play together. I love Dwight as a backup, but man, I just do not want to see Russ and Dwight together. So let me let me rephrase this. If let's say the Lakers roll into the season and their lineup, and they don't add any other bigs. And you've got Marcus Gasol and Dwight Howard. Is either one of them the starting center? And you guys know what I'm getting at. Yes, I do. I do. I, I'm going to tell you, I think Mark starts, but he is the nominal starter. And I think Anthony Davis plays more five. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think the bulk of the five minutes, uh, the minutes of the five this season will go to Anthony Davis. But yes, I think Marcus Gasol is going to be the one who starts games. Um, just because... You don't want to make AD do it the whole game just for longevity purposes. And Marcus Saul provides you floor spacing and a really high IQ. Uh, ru- think about a lineup. You know, Kent Bazemore isn't the highest IQ player in the world. But Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Marcus Saul, that's a high IQ four. So you can kind of throw in whoever you want for the fifth. They don't need to have a high IQ. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm waiting for the uh, Marcus Saul backdoor pass to Russ for a dunk. That's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be great. Great to look at. Uh, Alex Key from YouTube is asking, Trevor, can the Lakers use a trade exception from Caruso on DeRozan along with the mid-level exception? Uh, so first of all, well, no on both counts. So you can't combine the mid-level exception with a trade with a trade exception that you get from trading away a player and not taking back salary. So you can't put those two things together. The other part of that is the Lakers can't accept a player via sign and trade. So that's the only way you get DeRozan. It's not like you can use that trade exception to sign him. The Spurs would have to sign him first and then place him into the Lakers trade exception. So no, you can't do that. That's the, that's the, the big picture answer. Neither one of those things would, would work out. Um, would be nice, but no, that, that will not work for the Lakers. Uh, you know, when here's the other thing. When I'm looking at this Lakers roster, right, and I get a lot of the comments, and I'm even seeing them here tonight. People are saying, you guys are too focused on threes. It's not threes. It's not so much the threes. It's the threat. Like, I'm, I'm not the person that's saying, I want the Lakers to shoot X amount of threes every single game. I don't think you have to be an incredible three-point shooting team in order to win in this NBA. I've got so many people right now. I've seen it all over social media running around saying, oh, the Milwaukee Bucks just won and they didn't shoot threes. The Lakers a couple of years ago, they just they won and they didn't shoot threes that well. You've got two terrible three-point shooting teams that just won. Why do you care about three-point shooting? It's not that you have to be able to get all your points from threes or shoot a high volume from threes. You have to be able to threaten from three. What you can have is guys out there where teams don't have to guard them. The Milwaukee Bucks, did they shoot a great percentage? No, but they shot well enough that teams would have to defend them. That's what matters. That's where your spacing comes into play. Look at what the Suns did to the Lakers. They knew they couldn't hit threes. So how many times did we see five Suns in the paint? And the Lakers tried to get something going to the rim, and it's all clogged up because they didn't have anybody 
that was a threat to shoot, or even the guys who were threats to shoot were not shooting well. That's what these three-point talks are about. Ron, Matt, myself, we're not saying the Lakers have to shoot a high volume of threes. We're saying you have to have guys who will threaten from three because that opens up your inside game. These things are all connected. I'm not the kind of guy who says you need to shoot a ton of threes to win in the modern NBA. No, you don't, but you have to be able to threaten. Yeah. 100%. Uh, I think you summarized it pretty good. Um, the Lakers just had no space to operate in the playoffs. Lo and behold, they've signed a couple guys that can hit threes. So, you know, in theory, the spacing will be better and LeBron, Russell Westbrook, etc. will have more room to get to the paint and finish at the rim or kick out to shooters that they're both really good at, by the way. So, yeah, that's just kind of where it is. Uh, the Lakers shot close to 20, 25 threes a game, which I think is about league average or even below it um, off the top of my head. Um, and they and they score efficiently. That's all that really matters. We're not saying, hey, shoot 53s a game. It's just more like, hey, just give me guys that d- defenses have to respect a little bit. Yep. That's it. And I think that's even yep. more important when you've got Russell Westbrook, who is at his best when he's getting to the rim. It's easier for him to get to, get to the rim when the floor is spaced. That's why the Houston Rockets said, okay, no more centers, because they needed the floor spaced for Russell Westbrook to be able to get to the rim. Yeah, yeah. Russell's basically like the de facto center in those lineups, yeah, really, kinda. if you think about it. Yeah. He, averaged, he averaged 11 and a half rebounds per game this past season. I don't I feel like we're not talking enough about how ridiculous that is. Like yeah. a point guard averaged 11 and a half rebounds per game over a whole NBA season. That's impressive. That's impressive. It's just so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. See, so I'm sure you guys have talked about it already. But as far as Russ goes, I think as far as the entertainment factor with the Lakers, it goes way up next season. Um I, I've, I've tweeted this, but can you imagine a scenario where Russell Westbrook grabs the defensive rebound, streaking up the floor, he's got LeBron on the wing, he's got a shooter on the other, AD's trailing. That's just going to be super fun to watch in the regular season, at mm-hmm. least. So um, having some credible shooters to open up those lanes for Doris um, just makes the team overall better. So that's just kind of where I'm at as far as three-point shooting goes. But by all means, don't just get shooters for the sake of shooting. We just need it for the spacing, the half-court offense, really. Somebody asked, can the Lakers sign and trade Andre Drummond? Sure, they can't sign him for a lot um, because they would have non-bird rights for him. But yes, they they can, in theory, sign and trade Andre Drummond. That is possible. Uh, They have bird rights for Dennis Schroeder. That's why they could sign him to a much larger contract. Uh, Benjamin from YouTube, the Super Chat. If Dwight can shoot the three, can he start with Westbrook? Westbrook, Ron. So, Ron, he's specifically asking you. So, and, And again, I... Every every Lakers game that I've covered live, the three-pointer is part of Dwight's warm-up. So let's say that Dwight suddenly starts shooting threes. Ron, can then he be on the floor with Russell Westbrook? Benjamin wants to know. He he's gotta shoot he's gotta shoot comfortably at least thirty-five percent over the course of a month before I let him see the floor with Russ. I think that's fair. <laughs> like that's fair. Like, you just make just, that deal with him. Like, I, I don't understand, like, Russ and Dwight, and, and it's nothing against either of them as individual players. I am excited to have both of them, and I'm excited for what both of them bring to this team. Just when they're on the floor together, man, that paint is going to be clogged, and that half-court offense is going to be slow and draining to my energy. Like, 
I guess I guess to be fair though, I feel like Russ made it work with centers like Daniel Gafford, uh, Stephen Adams. Uh, you know, I, I I'm not super out on the lineup if if you surround them with three quite credible shooters. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of where I'm at. But any any less than three, then I'm 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 definitely out on it, like you are. But I think it could work. Like if you gave me a backup uh, offense of Russ, Dwight, throw in your three shooters. Uh, that's not bad offense to run, really. Uh, Dwight rearing, uh, rolling hard at the rim on pick and rolls. Ross either throwing lobs or hitting the corner the corner guy. Like I can imagine it. Yeah, it yeah. works if you have three credible shooters, and and I don't know. That That's Lakers, a big if. Yeah, like three really good shooters. With three credible shooters this yeah. season. Right. No, that's kind of yeah. Right. But I'm just saying, if if the Lakers like Wapens at the Lakers got Buddy Heal, you can throw out Ellington, Heald, and whoever. Right. Like hypothetically, if they if if they can throw out a Russ Heald. Ellington, Carmelo, Dwight lineup. I'm a little more in now. That lineup is going to hemorrhage points defensively, mm-hmm. but I'm a little, I'm a little more in. <laughs> um, so I've got a question here. Super chat said, "Should we get Avery Bradley? The offense is okay, and he's a bit injury prone. However, he's on the floor. He's one of the best on-ball de- defenders, particularly if you're looking to replace." Alex Caruso. Well, we've got a little bit of news. Oh, it's not really Lakers related, but uh. Trey Young agrees to his extension with the Hawks. So that's that's something oh, there. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's a little something. This could matter for the Lakers. Jake Fisher. Uh, pos- possibility came up here. Thunder are rumored to be considering a two-year $40 million offer to Spencer Dinwiddie. Then they try to flip him before the trade deadline. So they're trying to give him a deal just to trade him. What are they going to trade him for? Huh? I wonder. Oh, more picks. <laughs> Of course. Probably a first-round pick. That's all they want ever <laughs> is picks. They want all of the picks. Their, their goal is to try to get all the picks for one draft so every other team can just take the night off. Um, okay. Yeah. Sam Presti is lining up these trades to draft 7th and 8th graders, Trevor and Ron, just FYI. Yes, that's what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, like uh, in the Russell Westbrook trade right now, um, a 2028 oh. second-round pick is going from the Wizards to the Lakers. Uh-huh. Like, that... That is literally a seventh grader, like <laughs> literally a, a kid in the, who is 12 right now just got traded to the Lakers. Oh, how ridiculous is that? Get that money, Shay. Yeah. Shay Gilgis Alexander agreed to a five year, 172 million. Oh, we just hit. I forgot. None of this stuff could happen until midnight Eastern time. That's why all these are coming out right now. We yeah, just we, hit, we just oh. hit that. We just hit that. That's why we're we're getting the tray and, and now Shay. Um, anyway, back to the, the question I had initially before we got off on this tangent here. Uh, should the Lakers go after Avery Bradley? On uh, a better minimum, sure. If, if we got a roster or two spot, then yeah, I'm all for it. If the Lakers strike out or pass on Patty Mills, then I'm okay giving the veteran minimum to, uh, to Avery Bradley. I think if you have Patty Mills and you have Avery Bradley and you bring back Taylor Horton Tucker and you have Russ, you start to get a little bit of redundancy there. Um, so it, it, I would I would be happy if you know if they passed up on Mills and got someone else like a Rudy Gay or Danny Green or Otto Porter, then you go get Avery Bradley for the minimum. You bring back THT. That that starts to look a little better. Yeah. Uh, might I add former Laker Avery Bradley? Yes. Oh, so, so that's <laughs> that's deal. pretty heavy in in his favor then because he has put on a Lakers jersey before. Um, Al Coro uh, is asking, do we think Melo is still a need? We've talked quite a bit about Melo, so I'm going to say yes. Like, he, he could still be a need. 
I don't think we need to dive into Mello uh, again. Uh, Sean O'Brien from YouTube says Westbrook lobs all day. I think that's one of the things that we are excited about that maybe we don't talk enough about. Like Russell Westbrook is an excellent lob thrower. Dennis Schroeder was not so much. I'm excited to get back to seeing Lakers lobs, which we didn't see last season like we did the season before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we all saw the statistic that Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder connected on one lob the entire season. And I know Anthony Davis missed half the game. That feels like it has to be a lie, right? Like it just, there's, there should be no way. Yeah. How does your point guard guard and your center combine for one lob over an entire NBA season? That's ridiculous. Russell Westbrook, bold prediction. You ready? Yeah. Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis are going to have more lobs by the end of the first game. Than Dennis Schroeder and Anthony Davis did. There's oh, going to yeah. be two. Yeah. Game one. So the over under set at one and a half. I would take the over for, for, the, for the first game. I'll take the over. I take the. I, I think I'll take the over. But that's that's absolutely crazy. But yeah, I mean, we we talk about Russ's shortcomings so much, but we forget he's actually a really good playmaker. Um, the right. terms elite playmaker or difference making playmaker were used in the offseason when it came to the Lakers. Russ is exactly that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at least, you know, again, I know he can't shoot. He's arguably the worst three-point shooter in NBA history. But as far as a ball handler, someone who can, you know, uh, organize the offense in the half court, find people for shots, Russ can do that. So, you know, at least let's give him that, at least. Uh, Matthew Sumner from from YouTube. I mean, I think you guys are right, by the way, on, on Russ. I think Russ is... Okay, I'm going to pause on my Matthew Sumner comment here because we need to talk about this real quick. Russ is an example of a phenomenon that we see where... We get so fixated on whether a player's contract is good or bad that we let that bleed into how we see the player themselves. Russell Westbrook, if he was making $25 million, every team in the NBA would want him, right? Like, the, the player's contract shouldn't impact how we see them on the floor as a player. But because his contract is considered bad, so many people think he just can't play. And that is not the, right. the case at all. Um, with some players who have bad contracts, it's because they're not good anymore. Some players just have a contract that pays them more than they're worth, and then we let that negatively impact how we see them as a player. And sometimes we need to just separate those two and realize that Westbrook is still really, really good. Russ was almost an all-NBA guy last season, so it's not like the Lakers traded for nothing. Uh, Yes, I understand. He is an older point guard. Athleticism doesn't normally age that well when it comes to those kinds of guys. He's making over 40 million the next two seasons. Uh, There's a there's plenty of negative things about Russ in his situation, but the player himself is going to be useful. Uh, Trevor and I talked about this previously, but I think Russell Westbrook is a floor raiser at the very worst. Um, How how much he raises your ceiling is up for debate, but at minimum, the Lakers will be a very good regular season team if Russ is healthy. Uh, Matthew Sumner from YouTube, the super chat. Why do we need Patty Mills if we have THT? So THT, and we're assuming he's going to come back, right? We haven't heard anything about anybody offering him any, any money. Uh, the market is drying up. I, he's, I, I feel very strongly he's coming back. Patty Mills and THT are very different players, right? Patty Mills is a veteran, shoots the three ball well. THT does not do that. I mean... As much as we want to say THT is going to be great next season, and I think he is going to take a step forward, and I think he is going to be a contributor. He's somebody that's going to help this team. I think he is going to be asked to play a bigger role. You know what you're going to get from Patty Mills. He's a finished product. You know what you're going to get there. And sometimes that certainty is valuable, particularly alongside a guy like THT. Uh, It's like in your, I know we're we're all in this mindset right now, 
of fantasy football and all that kind of stuff. I know, guys, we're all getting ready for our big draft starting up on, on August 8th. It's like if you draft Jalen Hurts, right? Where you say, hey, the upside is there. The upside, but we're not 100% sure. Is he really going to be the starter throughout the entire season? Maybe they're going to trade for Deshaun Watson. Maybe something else is going to happen there. So you grab Jalen Hurts, and then later on in the draft, you go and you pick up Tom Brady because you know what you're going to have there. It's not a direct comparison because I think THT can play the two while Patty Mills is playing the one, but it's the same kind of idea. Patty Mills gives you that steady production. You know what you're going to get in order to kind of hedge your bet with someone who's a little bit more of a wild card in THT. Yeah, look, Patty Mills and THT are, I would actually op- uh, argue, are the exact opposite player. Um, Patty Mills is a three-point heavy. He's a 39% career three-point shooter. I think in his last two or three seasons, he's shot double the amount of threes as he did twos on average mm-hmm. per game. Um THT is a slasher. Um, he has length. Patty Mills is more speed-based. Uh, they are very, very different players. And there are lineups where both work, and they could actually work together, I think, pretty well. So Patty Mills is is a really interesting option. Um, if you want another ball handler, you know, if you have Patty Mills, you're you're taking a lot of weight off LeBron's shoulders with Russell Westbrook and Patty Mills. He He's not going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting yeah. during the regular season. Uh, only if we get national team Patty Mills, not not regular season Spurs Patty Mills. We need really? national team Patty Mills. Yeah, <laughs> that would certainly be nice. Uh, Dre Johnson, we're going to do this one, and then I have one more to finish with. Jay, Dre Johnson from YouTube said, "Would you rather have Danny Green or JJ Redick? And do you guys want Demar if he would sign the mid level exception?" So first of all, I imagine the answer is Danny Green, right? For both of you, that is correct. Okay. Yes, easily, because of the defensive end of the floor, that certainly matters. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, let's say DeMar DeRozan says, never mind, I don't want to go to Miami, which is what we've heard has been rumored that he would take the full mid-level exception. Instead, LeBron, I want to play with you guys. Give me the taxpayer mid-level. I will join your team. What are you guys saying? Am I picking him or Danny Green, or is it just in general? Just in general. Just just in in general, yeah. let's Let's say all the other options are gone. DeMar DeRozan calls you up, says, I want to join the Lakers. Are you saying yes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, just because it. But, man, whew, that's going to be Frank Vogel is going to have who's all Frank Vogel is already not an offensive wizard as a coach. Mm-hmm. Boy, is he going to have his work cut out for him figuring out how on earth he's going to get around defenses just putting five people in the paint every single possession for the entire season. My my argument here is that, again, there's so many things that can still happen between now and the next week or two, but the Lakers actually didn't add any shot creators today, if you really look at the roster. Correct. right? Uh, they got Trevor Ariza, they got Ellington, they got Dwight Howard, they got Kent Bazemore. These are all, Dwight's obviously a center. The other three guys are going to be 3 and D guys or, you know, just outside spot-up shooters. Um DeMar DeRozan would at least give the Lakers another creator in the half court. Um, I know we have Russ, AD, and LeBron, but, you know, not all three of those guys are going to play. And, of course, they're going to be staggered. But I think having DeMar at least gives you another option uh, to carry the offense. He's also a really good playmaker as well. I think he averaged almost six assists this season. So, you know, as far as adding DeMar goes, again, he'd be a value signing at the tax mid-level. And 
Uh, although not a former Laker, he is a SoCal native, so that's also working in his favor as well. I'm sure Laker fans would love to have another homegrown guy back on the team to root for. So, you know, I could def- it'd be really hard for me to say no to DeMar DeRozan at that price point, especially if I'm not giving up any assets in a sign-in trade or anything. So I think I definitely do it. But I do have some concerns about how you're going to fill out the rest of the roster. I would want more defensive-minded guys after that. Yeah, yeah. The sp- and the sp- you know, the spacing issue is there and everything, but he's just so talented. You, I mean, you just you'd have to say it. Like, he's a steal at that price. Um, all right, guys, let's finish with this. Give me your best and worst signing from tonight. doesn't have to be Lakers. can be anybody around the NBA. Best Ooh. signing and worst signing. If you guys need a minute to think, I've got mine, and I can go with those if, if you like. I have my worst. I just need to think of my best. Okay. Uh, my best signing is Alex Caruso to the Chicago Bulls for four years for $37 million. Oh, Okay. So that hurts. That That's it. Honestly, it's a really good pickup. They got Lonzo. They have Zach mm-hmm. Levine. They have Alex Caruso. They can run a three-guard lineup if you want. Lonzo and Alex are very good defensive uh, guards. They can hold mm-hmm. them on their own. Um, obviously Zach and Blaine compliments them on the scoring side. So, and, and you got him for pretty cheap. I, I was expecting Caruso to make a little bit more. Like I was thinking 10, 11 million for him, but you know, under 10 is really good. I, I, I gotta give the Bulls props for Alex Caruso. So that's definitely my best signing, but I gotta think about my worst one. Um, I'll go, I'll give you guys best and worst. My best was one of the first ones to come out. And that was Lonzo ball going to the Chicago Bulls. I think given the situation they're in, um, they needed to land somebody and getting Lonzo helps them out a lot. I think he's a guy that can sort of unlock some of the guys on the offensive end on that team. And defensively, he will help as well. And I like the, the dollar amount for the contract. I thought that he was, uh, it was right on, right? What he should be getting paid. So I like that deal a lot from them. Oh, you know what? Hold up. That, that, I forgot. I forgot. That's a good one, but I forgot the one that I actually that actually was the best was Cameron Payne. I for, I, oh. That one slipped my mind. That's such a ridiculous deal. What was it? Three yeah, years, three 18, for three for 19. That's like, that's a steal. Yeah. I mean, like what? 10 minutes later, TJ McConnell signed for like double that. Yeah. The, the sun's got a steal with Cameron Payne. Great, great contract. Uh, I like that one a lot. My least favorite, uh, Zach Collins to the Spurs. Ah, we, yes. And it worked. If he stays healthy, it's fine. But he broke his foot rehabbing a broken foot, right? Like that's that's the case with this guy. Not so a good sign. no, that's not a that's good not good. Big guys in feet freak me out, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's just it's not a good injury for anyone, but especially for a big guy. Like that's just that's that's a red flag. Um, and they gave him three years. If you took a flyer, if you gave him seven million for one year, I totally understand. Yep. They gave him more than Cameron Payne. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, they did. Yeah. He got more money than Cameron yep. Payne, and he's in Cameron Payne needs to hire Zach Collins' agent, man. Yeah. I I, I, I was actually with you, Trevor. Alonzo Ball was my favorite uh-huh. signing of the day just because at four years, uh, $85 million, so uh, basically the Dennis Schroeder contract. Man, I don't, I don't get the Pelicans letting him uh, walk. Like, makes zero sense to me. Like, I'm almost tempted to say my worst move is the Pelicans letting Lonzo Ball walk. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to do that. Lonzo Ball makes so much sense in Chicago. That dollar amount is is so like that's such a that's a good value. He's young. He still has so much room for improvement, but is already really good. Um, I love that move. That's my favorite. Um, Zach Collins is a really good least favorite. My least favorite is Evan Fournier to the Knicks. Yeah, that's my other favorite. Uh, what was what was the dollar amount on that? Was it was it seventy eight? Seventy two. Seventy two. Seventy two. Seventy eight. Him, him, 
Him and Tim Hardaway Jr. got the same contract. Ooh. No, no, it was 78. It was 478. Oh, you're right. It is 78. Oh, he made more than Tim Hardaway. Wow. Oh, that's all I need to say. He made more than Tim Hardaway. Evan Fournier. Just. They got, they no. got national team Fournier. Guys, the reason I, I'm okay with that is because it really helps the Lakers with the Dennis Schroeder thing. Yes, just a, in a vacuum, that's by far the worst signing that happened today. From a late from a Lakers perspective, they, that was a good thing that came out the Fournier thing because we because we want the, the landing spots to dry up for Dennis Schroeder because we want him to have to do a sign and trade so the Lakers get something back. So from that perspective, it was good. From an NBA perspective, though, for me, just just watching the entire NBA. That was frustrating because that's something the old Knicks would have done. I thought we were past this, New York. Come on. Knock it off. You just started making these smart moves. And I don't think he's a bad player. He's fine as a player. But that contract, it's it's way too much to spend on Fournier. That money could have been used elsewhere much for in a much better way. So... Yeah, yes, the new, that is a the bad new one. Knicks were just uh, that was just the friends we made along the way. The old Knicks were always the Knicks. Uh, apparently, yeah, yeah. I think I think I have to agree with Ron. That was definitely my least favorite. Uh, Evan, don't Google was very bad. Uh, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that signing at all. He was really good, you know, for the for for, for Team France, right? They beat Team USA. Um, I think that's maybe that's why. Up for. Maybe that's why he got yeah. paid. He was so good in that in that one game. That's that could be it. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, for four years for seventy eight million for that guy, I mean if you're the Knicks, okay, if you're if you're a rational or if you're an unbiased Knicks fan, would you have rather had uh Evan Fournier for that amount or Dennis Shooter? For that much money? So basically still it, go Fournier? So in a vacuum, which one do you like better? I would probably lean Schroeder. But it's close. It's close. Oh, Free agent forward Otto Porter Jr. has reached an agreement with ah, oh, the Golden State Warriors. is out, and I'm honestly okay with it. Just letting ah, it. I'm okay with that. I'm bummed. Well, wait, I just wait, don't like that he's on the wait, list. Wait, wait. If that's their taxpayer mid-level, which I would imagine it would have to be, that would then put the Warriors out on Patty Mills. Perfect. Let's. That's great. It's, it's it's the Warrior. It's the Lakers and Nets now. I guess Patty Mills. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So we'll have to see about that. All right. So then, where does Kelly Oubre go? I don't know. Spurs, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody joining us, coming in here and talking a little Lakers offseason free agency kicked off today. Again, it's not over. The Lakers still have a ton of roster spots to fill. We'll see. We're always just a woge bomb away from the newest Laker joining the team. So far, it's been all former Lakers. Will the trend continue? We'll have to wait to find out, but make sure you do subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. Till next time, stay safe and see ya.